confidently make plans for the future by using our own Christian conscience. Well, a very good morning to you again. It's good to see you all this morning, whether it is uh, your first Friday joining us uh, for worship or whether you've been here for uh, many, many years. It is great to be together each and every Friday. Uh, as we said at the start of the service, uh, it's great to be able to gather as the church uh, here in Bahrain. And uh, living here brings lots of things into our lives, doesn't it? Oh my gosh, let's not do this every week. If you're kind of new, you can be forgiven for the silence. If you've been here more than a couple of weeks, its interaction is encouraged. Living here brings many things into our lives, doesn't it? It does. The sunshine uh, most days. Uh, the summer temperatures. There are some things that we could probably do without living here. But uh, we asked this week on social media, what's one thing that everyone needs when living in Bahrain? If you saw this on Instagram and scrolled past, uh, we know. There's a little, you know, we know, seen it and just not contributing. That's fine. But uh, some of the answers that were shared with us, uh, there's just a selection for us here. Community uh, was a really good one. People need a job to be here, which is generally true. You need a car, and then uh, somebody wisecracked that you need patience and a car at the same time. Seems like we're a community of comedians, it seems. Uh, <laughs> quite a few good answers, a few... Uh, yeah, just straight out of left field. But uh, I would suggest something that we all need living here, whether we realize it or not, is the ability to make plans. Things like flights, visas, passports, CPR cards. They need a certain degree of, of planning. In our house, we've got three valid and one expired CPR cards, so the planning's not particularly up to scratch there, but um, you know, where are you going to send your kids to school? When is the right time for you to move on and uh, and permanently change your situation? But just just being here, living in this country, requires a certain degree of planning, right? It does. Yeah, we're get, we're getting there with interaction. Maybe in a few years, it'll be really like biblical. People will just be shouting "Amen" whenever they agree with something. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, how many people, by a quick show of hands, how many people feel like they've got a decision or a plan to make in the short-term future? So everybody's really honest over here. Maybe a bit more reticent over here. Uh, <laughs> do you feel like you're good at planning? Wow. This side is definitely the like, interaction comment section. This side, we're just here to listen and learn. Uh, so if you're good, or I'll just, if you're if you're good at, at, at planning, do you uh, do you make one plan, or do you make a bunch of plans and just hope that something comes through? Oh, good. Oh, you can just listen and leave. Yeah, well, good then. We're on the same page already. All the eggs in one basket. People either when they're planning usually. Uh, go all in, put all their eggs in one basket. Hopefully, don't drop the basket like the coffee on the way into church. Uh, or people just make so many plans that then something happens and they feel like they've made that happen, even though they made 15 plans 
for the same situation. Uh, and in this passage today in 2 Corinthians, Paul is teaching them, uh, we're going to take for ourselves uh, here and now, how we can be so assuredly confident in our plans for the future, how we can plan with divine direction. Uh, so for you guys, this is going to be great. And for you guys, next time you've got a decision to make, you can just replay this message uh, and, uh, and you'll be good to go. So, uh, as we said, living here, we need to make decisions. Uh, so this is just a great text for us living here. Uh, immediately, though, first up, Paul's going to defend himself against an accusation from the, sec- uh, from the, from the second Corinthians, from the Corinthians, that uh, he's just unreliable, that he just changes his plans uh, on a whim. So he's going to kind of defend himself predominantly first up, and then he's going to share with them uh, where his confidence for planning, uh, how he's able to have this divine direction. So if you've not done so already, uh, I'd love you to join me in Second Corinthians uh, in your Bibles, and we're going to pick it up uh, as Brenda read for us. We're going to read it together again, uh, chapter 1, verses 12, 13, and 14, and see where Paul gets his confidence for planning from. So he says, uh, our reason for confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience, that with pure motives and sincerity which are from God not by human wisdom, but by the grace of God, we conducted ourselves in the world and all the more toward you. For we do not write you anything other than what you can read and also understand. But I hope that you will understand completely, just as also you have partly understood us, that we are your source of pride, just as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. So, very, very simply then, right there in verse 12, his confidence in uh, being able to write to them about really challenging, really awkward, really difficult things, his confidence for writing, for teaching, for decision-making and planning comes from his conscience. He says, the testimony of our conscience. So, does that mean that we can all... Just be ruled by what's going on in our own individual minds. Just because Paul says, well, my, uh, our reason for confidence, the testimony of our conscience. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us, God says there, the human mind is more deceitful than anything else. It is incurably bad. Who can understand it? Uh, so no, simply no. We, we can't all just be ruled by what we think is best. So how can Paul say this? Our confidence for for, for writing, for teaching, for planning, our confidence comes from our conscience. If we carry on reading after that little comma, he says the confidence is in the the pure motives, the sincerity, which are from God, not by human wisdom, by the grace of God. So there is Paul's uh, real reason for confidence in his plans, in his writing, in his teaching, in his ministry. Just Paul's confidence for life comes from his conscience, sure, but it is a conscience that is saturated with God's word. God's word and God's will and God's ways. It's saturated with the scripture that he knew. And so, if we're claiming uh, 
a clear conscience on a decision or a direction that we're taking, some plans that we're making, as Paul is here, we must, 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 must make sure that our conscience, how we're thinking about things, is saturated with Scripture. Because then it's going to be filled with God's guidance. Paul says the, 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 the conscience, the motives, the sincerity, they're from God. It's not by human wisdom. And then he goes on to say, look, this is something that we should all be able to fully understand. We should be able to understand this, how we can live with this great big confidence for plans, make uh, future decisions with some real divine confidence. He says, you know, this is not a secret that only a few people know. We can all, each and every one of us, live with the kind of confidence that Paul has with his Christian conscience. And we can use that to make really confident decisions for our future. Uh, Paul says, look, there in uh, verse 14, he says, look, just as you, you understand that there is a mutually beneficial relationship between the teacher and a student, he's talking about the, the same kind of relationship between a pastor and the people. Uh, you, you've understood us that we are your source of pride and, and you are our source of pride. You understand that just like you understand that relationship. You can also understand the relationship between this Christian conscience, the testimony of your conscience, the sincerity that comes from God, and how we're using that to make plans for the future. He says this is not a secret. And then he specifically applies this confidence, and, and now he's told us where it comes from. He specifically applies it to his own plans, this accusation that, look, Paul, you're just really on. Reliable, uh, And then he, he gives an example, another example from beyond himself of it all in action. And we've said this before a few times. Paul is really good at this. But we love examples of godly principles in play, don't we? Yeah, we do. Because otherwise, it's just a very big, can be a very big, broad statement. And we're left kind of wondering, how does this look in our lives? But Paul is going to give an example, and then we are going to take ours from that so let's keep reading from verse 15. And he says, With this confidence, I intended to come to you first so that you would get a second opportunity to see us and through your help go on into Macedonia and then from Macedonia to come back to you and be helped on our way into Judea by you. Therefore, when I was planning to do this, I did not do so without thinking about what I was doing, did I? Or do I make my plans according to mere human standards? So that I will be saying both yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. But as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one who was proclaimed among you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but it's always been yes in him. For every one of God's promises are yes in him. Therefore, also through him, the amen is spoken to the glory we give to God. So, there in verse 15, with this conscience, with this mind just filled with God's word and God's will and God's ways, with this conscience, Paul genuinely planned, desired to travel to, to minister to the Corinthians. Uh, we read there uh, for a, a second opportunity to see us more literally, it would be a second grace because he gets it when 
when we're gathered together, the grace of God at work in all of our individual lives, when we come together, is just amplified and magnified. So he wants to see them. It's this mutually beneficial time. And then it looks like he didn't actually go. Uh, hence the accusation that, Paul, you're just flaky. You said you were coming. You, you didn't come. It looks like he sent a letter, which if you're expecting a visit from somebody that you love and respect and you find a lot of mutual encouragement in, if they send you a letter instead, we can understand the Corinthians' disappointment. And so for Paul, though, as he's going to say, and the, 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 what he's saying, the principle is so true for us. This wasn't just a soft yes that he easily backed out of, like, sure, I'd love to come through and see you. I will definitely try to come through. And you've probably heard this before, very possibly here at church as well. I'd love to have you over for lunch. You must come. Have you heard that before? One particular thing that I've heard a few times from a particular group of people in church is uh, we would love to have you over for a braai. There's lots of promises of braais given out in this community. And it's a South African barbecue. But don't say that to them because they'll get very upset. <laughs> we would call it a barbecue. They've got a special. It's, it's a barbecue 2.0. But it, it, it takes a lot of work and it's more about the occasion than it is the actual sausage that are cooking. But... It seems to be thrown around quite a lot. Love to have you over for a braai. I'm still waiting. Still waiting. I think we've had one in 10 years, and now that guy's left. Uh, so, <laughs> look, all of that to say, Paul isn't just throwing that out there. You must come for lunch one Friday. Meaning, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, Paul is saying he's, he has a genuine desire to go to Corinth and then go somewhere else. Go back to Corinth and go somewhere else. He says, with this confidence, I intended to come. In my, with my divine decision-making, I genuinely, sincerely planned to come. And then it seems it was divinely rearranged. And because that's how Paul is making decisions, divinely guided, when God steps in and closes a door or kind of rubs off some of the root... Paul is fine with that. The fact that he didn't go, though, is, again, he's been used against him. So he asks them a rhetorical question. Do I just make plans like a person? Saying yes and no at the same time. And the way that he writes it, he's expecting a negative answer. He's saying, look, I'm not flip-flopping around, making six plans, so that when one of them works, you say, look how good my plans are. Uh, he's, and he'll, he'll explain in a bit more detail in the, the following passage, which we will look at next week, but for the moment, he seems to be more concerned with this accusation. You're just unreliable. And there in verse 18, he says, Look, our plans are always really clear and really sincere. He says, as, as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. So in the same way that God is very faithful, look, I, I genuinely intended to come. We're making plans with our Christian conscience. So we're not hedging our bets. And then he gives an example of this in action. Our message to you is not yes and no. He says, like Jesus. Which really, if you're going to pull an example out to back up something that you're saying, uh, it's, a, it's quite a good one. 
isn't it? We're not saying yes and no, like Jesus. Uh, the example that he gives is God himself, God in the flesh, the committed direction and plans of Jesus. So Paul is saying to them, we're making decisions, we're making plans for the future in the same manner that Jesus lived. He says there in verse 19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one who was proclaimed among you by us, was not yes and no, for it's always been yes in him. There's always a clear direction and a clear decision in Jesus. So look, when I tell you I intend to come, I mean it. But some stuff is out of my control. There's no hedging bets, making all those big broad plans. That's planning like a person, not with divine direction, putting all your eggs in that basket. And so Paul preached a Jesus who is completely reliable and worthy of our trust. A Jesus who didn't kind of flip-flop between plans and people, easily moved by what was going on around him, unsure of what to do. Paul preached the Jesus who was just laser-focused and firm with plans, confident, very sure that he was doing the right thing because he didn't come to do his own thing but do the will of his Father in heaven. And one of the examples that, that came to mind this week uh, was from the book of John. And uh, in there, it's a, it's a great, great, great story. Jesus hears that one of his closest friends, Lazarus, is really sick. Not just like under the weather, but gravely sick. And Lazarus is described as the one you love. Somebody says to Jesus, Lazarus, the one you love is really not doing well. And do you know what Jesus said? Do you know what he did? Because there was a plan in place, because he'd made this divine decision, because he was so focused and sure about the future, Lazarus, who you love, is really, really sick. Jesus says, well, we'll get there. We'll get there in a couple of days. Lazarus is on the verge of death. Jesus remained in that place for two more days because he knew having made a divine decision because of the trust in the plans and the will of God that he was receiving, there's no need to drop everything and change your plans. He's made a plan, he's sticking to the plan because he's making it with divine direction. And because Paul so consistently preached and taught this Jesus, sought to live like, as, 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 as much like this Jesus as he possibly could. It wasn't right for, for him to be any different. Paul made proper plans with confidence in his Christian conscience. And then if God changed the plans, that's fine. But Paul didn't flip-flop around. And this too is where we really come into this passage. Uh, we said at the start that just planning, the ability for us to make plans is an essential part of living here in Bahrain. And uh, in the, the last two verses of this passage, we're going to get for ourselves how we can plan with this really, really confident Christian conscience like Paul. Uh, we're going to see how we can live like the Lord Jesus from this particular passage. So let's read together verses 21, 22. Paul says, But it's God who establishes us together with you in Christ and who anointed us, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit 
in our hearts as a down payment. So everything that Paul has taught here is available to you and to me as he writes through the Spirit. The Spirit that is given to each and every one of us the moment that we put our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. The moment that we are forgiven by the Father because of our faith in the faithfulness of the Son, as Paul writes, we receive the Spirit. And so, because of that truth, we can confidently make plans for the future by using our own Christian conscience. The mind of the believer saturated with Scripture, the Word and the will and the ways of God that's authored by the same Spirit we receive. We put all of that together and we can genuinely make confident and divinely directed plans for the future. The same Spirit that breathed into the work of the Bible's human authors, carried them along, uh, as Peter says, giving the Scriptures divine life and ultimate authority. This same Spirit now daily, moment by moment, lives in you and speaks to you. And I think bigger picture, you know, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is not just about your eternal destination. You know, believe in Jesus, end up in heaven. There is, there is more to it than that. It's not just about your eternal destination. It's also about your everyday situation. It changes us now, immediately. Yes, it alters spectacularly our eternal destination, but it is also about our everyday situation. I'm, I'm convinced that we forget about that part of the gospel, the daily practical changes to our lives so often. Paul here is, is planning, as he said, with pure motives and sincerity, which are from God, not by human wisdom, but by the grace of God. He can do that because he received the Spirit when he believed, and he knew the Word of God that was authored by that same Spirit. And so both, uh, with his, with both in his life, Paul had access to this inexhaustible source of wisdom and knowledge and confidence for life. And the same is, is absolutely true for all of us who believe. The same spirit that spoke through the authors of the Bible is given to you to speak into your life. And so with Scripture and the Spirit, there's never a situation that we will find ourselves in where we're completely directionless. No idea what to do. And let me tell you now, the two are never going to disagree. The Word and that whisper of the Spirit are never going to contradict one another. So if you're looking in your Bibles and you're seeing an example and you think, oh yeah, that's what I should do. And that still small voice is saying, no. The two are never going to contradict. So we've either kind of misreading a little bit, we're misunderstanding a little bit, or that still small voice 
It's our own conscience that Paul said by human wisdom. So the two are never going to disagree because the same spirit that is active and present in our lives authored uh, scripture. And so, if we've got decisions to make today, if we've, if we've got plans to make for the future, I would really encourage you to start by just opening your Bibles. See the people. See their plans. See their victories. See their failures. See what happened in their lives when they decided certain things. See what God said to them and about them. See how Jesus, then coming in the flesh, changed things. See the lives of those people that lived closest to Jesus and then wrote all about him for other people. So if you have a plan to make for the future, whether that's today or at some point in the future, we can all look no further. Our first stop has to be the inspired and inerrant and infallible Word of God that we carry in our Bibles. And then we pray in the power of and with the mind of the Spirit. Ask Him to open God's Word to you. And then talk to other people. <laughs> and some of you love doing that. Some of you not so much. Talk to other people. Spend time with other people who are living by the power of and with the mind of the same Spirit. And just watch how when you bring all that together, again, it is amplified and magnified because God is not a God of contradiction. If you really feel like God is saying something to you, other people who are hearing from the same God are going to be on the same page and they're going to agree. It's going to be exemplified, principled, explicitly said on the pages of Scripture. So all of this means for us, really, really practically, that we can live with this divine direction. We can make decisions as confidently and as with as much surety as Paul did. We can live in the manner that Jesus did when planning next moves because that same divine direction is available to all of us. And it is again, it is such an important truth to really have, to really accept and to really use when we're living here. Because again, living here needs brings with it a certain level of planning, decision-making and directions. And again, so if you've got decisions to make today, plans for the future that you just cannot avoid making any longer, I really sincerely hope that you know that you can make confident plans for the future by using your Christian conscience. And I promise you, when you if you're not doing this, when you start doing this, it will totally change your life when you make decisions and plans using your Christian conscience. And I sincerely hope we are going to pray together now that if you're not doing that already, that you will start doing that. Amen. Let's stand and let's pray.